Welcome to Showboat, a series of podcasts from the Battleship North Carolina in Wilmington. I'm your host, Mary Ames Booker, ship's curator. Together, we'll discover the stories of an extraordinary ship that steamed into history, what makes her tick and keeps her going, and her vital contributions today. Join us as we share her adventures and celebrate the thousands of men who served on the most highly decorated American battleship of World War II. What does it take to maintain the 729-foot-long, 44,000-ton vessel every day? What are the challenges? How are major repairs managed? In this episode, we discover how Showboat is kept in ship-shape condition for another generation of visitors. We begin with the ship's maintenance director. My name's Terry Kuhn. I'm the maintenance director at the battleship. I've been at the battleship memorial about 28 years. It's sort of a challenge working at the battleship. We like to joke that it's job security, but there are uh, five people in the maintenance department in addition to myself. Uh, We all specialize, and then you also have to be a a jack-of-all-trades in addition to that. So we have a full-time electrician, full-time painter, a full-time welder, plumber slash carpenter, and an HVAC technician but then each one of those guys also has to know a little bit about everybody else's job in addition to just being able to do drywall and painting and stuff like that. And in addition to the the five full-time maintenance staff, we also have a team of volunteers that does a lot of really good work. And if we can't do it in-house, then we'll get a contracting company to do really big welding repairs, really big painting projects, that sort of thing. And in that case... The, the maintenance people also have to be able to do contract oversight. The battleship North Carolina was started in 1937, was finished in the early 40s. So all of the technology on the ship is pre-war. Uh, we still use the electrical system and the ventilation fans. They don't make any of that stuff anymore except the receptacle you have in the wall of your house. That's the one thing I can buy at the store that will fit in the ship. It's a a very challenging electrical environment to work in. Technology has improved over the years. So like I said, we still use the ventilation fans. The motors on those are, you know, roughly 70 years old now. You can go out and buy a, a motor that is 440 volts, five horsepower, that would do the same work as the one that's in our ventilation system, but it won't fit because everything gets smaller and more efficient. So you have to take the stuff that we have and get it repaired. And they can still do stuff like that, but there's things like like really large circuit breakers that they don't make parts for. So you either find a ship that's being scrapped that has the same parts or you go on the ship somewhere and find one that's not being used that. But it's, it's definitely a, a challenging environment to, to make things work if they break. Welder's job is a tad challenging because the, the ship was built to go to war, to live in a saltwater environment. So there's a lot of galvanized coatings on the steel. Almost every bit of it was galvanized or it had very high nickel content, or they welded it with stainless steel welds, or it's riveted, or it's armor and it's got a special heat treatment. So there's all these 
weird things involved with with any metal work you do around on the ship. Uh, the ship was built at a time when lead and paint was good, when asbestos and insulation was good, and when mercury and thermometers was the only way you could make a thermometer work. Back then, all that stuff was good. Now we know it's all a health hazard. So our painter has to deal with paint that's got lead in it. The welder has to deal with paint that's got lead in it if he wants to work on the steel underneath it. Um, fortunately, we're not the only ones that have to deal with it. Industries had to deal with it for years, so there are programs out there to help, but um, it does make things challenging. Uh, the ship was also built with teak decks. Uh, this ship was meant to be uh, a showpiece for an admiral as a flag officer to pull into a foreign country to show you know foreign dignitaries around to be very impressive. Teak is a great durable wood. It's a great thermal barrier. When we had our teak decks replaced, the the inside temperature of the ship went up at least 10 or 20 degrees without all the wood up there just from the sun. So the teak acts as a good insulator. It reflects a lot of that, but it's also got a lot of oil and silica in it. So it's challenging to cut. It's challenging to get caulking to stick to. And, and it's a very specialized bit of knowledge to get all of that working to, to, for the system that holds the teak down, to get the caulking prepared and all of that stuff. So the guy we have on staff, Gary, that does all of that, has had to go through a really long learning curve to get all of that worked out. The ship was also built with numerous tanks and voids. There are 128 fuel tanks, probably twice that many tanks that were designed to be left empty, a lot of water tanks, tanks that held lube oil. When the ship was brought into Wilmington in 1961, it was straight out of mothballs, so most of the fuel tanks were about half full. Uh, it was designed to hold two million gallons of fuel, and they came in with about a million. It was intended that they would bring the ship into the slip floating, and then they would sink it down four feet into the silt. So when they came in, they started filling a lot of these uh, empty tanks with water, and they would pump fuel out of the fuel tanks and then fill those up. And they did them in groups. So they would do like three or four on one side of the ship, three or four at the other side, some at the front, some at the back, and they slowly squished the ship down into the silt. And they, they did that so it wouldn't float away during a hurricane. A lot of these empty tanks were designed to be flooded in the event that the ship was hit with a torpedo. So if it was hit with a torpedo on one side, you could flood tanks on the other side to take that list out. So they're there are valve systems and all sorts of stuff down inside the bottoms of them. The fuel tanks have piping system for steam, so you can heat the fuel up in order to pump it. And when you fill all of that stuff up with water, water loves to corrode steel, so a lot of these pipes rusted out. And that lets water from one tank get into another tank and sometimes into a storeroom where you don't want it to be. So it's uh, become a real nuisance to try and keep tabs on all that stuff. So we have to go every year look in every single one of these tanks. We call it sounding. It's what they would have done back in the sailing ship days. We would tap on the side of a, a wooden tank. Well, now you just send a rod down in there like a big brass carpenter's rule, and you measure the levels and you record everything and try and track. Is it going down? Is it going up? Is this tank cross-feeding with that tank? You know, tank went down a foot. Where did it go? Tank came up a foot. 
what happens. So that's something we have to keep tabs on because the ship's sitting in water and it's corroding and you need to stay stay aware of problems before they creep up. So we've got water on the inside that's trying to rust things. We've got water on the outside of the ship that's trying to rust things. Uh, so we jokingly say it's job security. Each Wednesday, a group of volunteers arrive early, before the showboat opens to the public. With assignments in hand, the men quickly start working on their morning projects. I asked a few of them about working on the showboat. My name is Larry Balin. I've uh, been a volunteer on the Wednesday Gang uh, since about 2013. I, I moved down here in 2012 and I was looking for something to do and being an ex-Navy, I, I was really interested in coming on a battleship and seeing what was going on here. And uh, I joined the Wednesday Gang and so we've been here every week, uh, every Wednesday, except for a few missing times when we couldn't make it. But I really enjoy coming to the ship on Wednesdays and making it look better the way it should look. Uh, we've done a lot of work over here in the last eight years and I think it really shows. And we really appreciate all the guys that come and join us here. We started out with a group of about seven or eight, and now we're up to about in the 20s. And uh, I think everybody has a real good time and a sense of value in what they do here in the ship. And we really appreciate everybody coming out here and doing what they can to make this the best ship in the fleet. My name is Richard Turner. I'm a volunteer on the Wednesday Gang. have been for about four years now. And uh, it's not only an honor, but it's a real pleasure to come here every week and work with uh, all the other volunteers, the Esprit de Corps is excellent with the whole crew. And we do everything from basic scraping and painting to taking an area and restoring it to uh, kind of like its original function and original appearance. It's a lot of fun because the, the work is sometimes routine, but sometimes it's a little different. And uh, whatever it is, we always can look back and, and be really proud of what we've accomplished and the difference it, that we've made in the ship. And, and I'm real happy about that. During her service years, the showboat's crew members were assigned daily workstations. Lou Popovich explains part of his daily maintenance duties. I'm Lou Popovich. I was assigned to the R Division aboard ship, and part of the R Division is a group called the Damage Control. And one of our jobs, one of the many jobs we had, was to go through the ship and take uh, readings of each one of the uh, water ballast tanks. And these little plates in the deck that you see are all identified. We have a little log book and each one is identified on a big master diagram that shows you where it is on the ship. And we would drop a, uh, a lead line into these tanks and measure the amount of uh, uh, water in there. And then eventually we would feed this information back to the damage control office. They would uh, be able to calculate how level the ship was. They could then transfer uh, from one tank to the other if they had to level it. But this particular location is the, uh, is the brig and we would periodically come in here and check all of these covers and a good portion of the time there were prisoners within this uh, within the brig and as I recall from one time that I was checking out the uh, the depth in one of the tanks and the prisoner said well just don't screw that cap down too tight because I, I dropped my cigarette butts in there as an, as an ashtray. Daily maintenance was essential but BB-55 was also at war, and there was a lot to do to keep the showboat in fighting condition. Electrician's mate Bob Barna was assigned to the electric deck on a 16-inch gun turret. 
He explained what it took to keep the turret in working order. Every day, when the turret there and get in touch with the turret captain and say, well, I'm going to clean this panel today and, and clean the contacts and everything, and we just have to get permission from him to secure it so we could work on it and uh, took care of all the, the minor incidents that they had with the sound power phones and uh, the MC systems and took care of the, all the electrical controllers mainly on the, the electric deck, there's two electric decks down there. Mainly a lot of cleaning, a lot of tightening up, especially when they were fired, you know. A lot of the nuts and bolts and screws used to come loose, and that was the main thing. We had a daily system of uh, take this controller today, it might take an hour, two hours to check everything out and tighten it all up and make sure it worked properly. Of course, then you had all the safety circuits for the guns and for the, for the, the projectile rings and all the indicating lights. It was a big job. But there was three guys in there. We, we took pretty well took care of it. That training system, when they used to train that turret around back and forth, they used to take a beating. Of course, that was a 300 power, 300 horsepower uh, motor that run that thing. And then we had a lot of greasing to do. We used to have to pump our own grease, not like they are today. The, the bearings come in, they're already greased and they're for a lifetime. But we had to use Zerk guns to go around and grease everything. Of course, then we had a lot with the, a lot of the hydraulic oil getting into the, the circuits and everything. You had to clean them all up and uh, wash them all out with carbon tetrachloride and to keep the, the indicating system so they work right. Like if the gun captain put his lights on, his buttons on, or switches on rather, for, to indicate into the officer's booth that he was ready and if they didn't work and you found that uh, there was oil in the box or something, you had to clean it all out and make sure it worked properly. Then you had your safety your micro switches that uh, was for safety. Them things used to get full of oil and everything and you couldn't replace them because we couldn't get them. We had to wash them out and dry them out and put them back in. So it was a lot of work. Um, my name is John Munn. I'm a retired Marine. But I've been doing uh, Wednesday maintenance about five years now. I'm a, primarily a painter and a scraper. The ship needs a lot of paint, and I end up one of the guys just paint job to paint job to paint job. And uh, it's something I really enjoy. The ship means a lot to me, so even though it's tedious sometimes doing it, it's, uh, it's something I really enjoy doing, and, and it has to be done. Uh, we joke sometimes, you start at one end, you come down the other end, by the time you finish, you turn around and go start doing it over again. But it's a big steel box and it just needs to be taken care of. Hello, my name's Ed Grinnell. Uh, I'm one of the volunteers on the battleship. I volunteer two days a week. Uh, on Wednesdays, I paint, scrape, and ship. And on Thursdays, I help clean up the ship. I think it's important because at the end of the day, our heritage is very important for our children to learn and especially given this is the USS North Carolina in the state of North Carolina, it has a great impact on the children who enjoy seeing it, the adults who learn a lot of things, and for our veterans who come and see the ship, some who served on it, some who served in other services, but all of them have the connection of a veteran that served in World War II, Korea, Vietnam, whatever conflict you want to talk about. Uh, it's difficult in terms of the amount of work necessary. There are very few dedicated paid folks on the ship so the volunteers pick up the the space the slack if you will in terms of maintenance painting and those types of things to keep the ship looking nice so when the when the tourists come on board they see something that resembles the World War II 
battleship, and it looks nice. It doesn't look trashy. It's all well kept. What about the big jobs? Showboat has been in her Wilmington berth for nearly 60 years, a long time for any vessel. I met with Christopher Vargo, the battleship's assistant director, to learn about the major hull repair project that is underway. I appreciate the opportunity to uh, talk to everybody about our hull repairs and maintaining a hull of a historic battleship. I think it's a a very complex issue with with a lot of different options, and uh, it's important that we discuss uh, how we got here and the decisions we've made to preserve this, the, the prime artifact, the battleship North Carolina, for, for many years to come. Uh, I'm the assistant director of the battleship. I'm Chris Vargo. I'm a retired lieutenant commander from the U.S. Coast Guard. In 2012, I retired after 22 years and came over to the battleship team to help the commission and Captain Bragg get hull repairs complete as well as maintain the ship. In my 22 years as, as a U.S. Coast Guardsman, I was a uh, chief electrician's mate and got a commission in 2000. And so for the last half of my time in the Coast Guard, I was investigator and a ship inspector. So I worked uh, with the commercial shipping fleet, uh, reviewing repair plans, conducting inspections during dry dock exams. Uh, and then I ended up my career here in Wilmington as deputy captain of the port and chief of inspections for all commercial vessels in, in North Carolina. So first, uh, just a quick history on the hull maintenance on the battleship. Uh, you know, when the battleship was launched in 1940, uh, that's kind of the start of the timeline of preserving the ship. You know, the Navy obviously operated and preserved the ship up until 1947 when it was decommissioned. Uh, and as it served as a, a training ship and later in mothball, they did minimal work. Uh, we have records of uh, the last dry dock availability that was November of 1953 when the Navy put some coatings on the ship. Uh, on the hall, and I'll quote a, a letter from Rear Admiral Moore, who was then the uh, Deputy Chief of Bureau of Ships to Hugh Morton, and it said, uh, I quote, the only other work performed on this ship during or since her inactivation consisted of wet blasting the bottom and painting it with four coats of anti-corrosive paint and one coat of anti-fouling hot plastic in November of 1953. So, from 1953 until really 2009, the ship's hull basically went untouched underneath the waterline. Uh, in 1961, when it came to Wilmington, it was placed in her berth. That some of the tanks were flooded with water to set it on the bottom. Uh, that was mostly for uh, storms so that uh, we didn't bounce around in the berth. From 1961 up until 2009, there was little done. 2009, when Captain Bragg came on, there were several tanks up in the starboard bow that were flooded because the uh, the hull had wasted through. It, it became paper thin in certain areas, and in some areas it hold. And most of the deterioration we found was uh, there was a 10-foot band around the ship that we call the wind water line. Below that 10-foot band, the ship set in about 25 feet of mud, and the mud did a great job of preserving the hull. But it was where the tide cycles would scour the hull twice a day from 1961 to 2009 that created some issues. So in 2009, a couple things happened. Uh, Captain Bray came on board. He confronted this challenge. Uh, we also received a letter from the Navy kind of putting the battleship on notice to say, hey, you have some space is flooding. Uh, the ship hasn't been to dry dock since 1953, uh, and that's unacceptable. So it charged us with coming up with a plan 
to either dry dock it or scrap the North Carolina. And scrapping the battleship was not an option. We developed a uh, campaign. It was the third major campaign called the Generations Campaign. And the target was to raise $17 million to build a copper dam that surrounds the ship and will allow us to uh, remove water from the hull, just the, the immediate area around the hull so that contractors could get in and remove uh, the, the wasted hull plating and replace it with new. So while that fundraising campaign was taking place, uh, we had to do something with the uh, starboard side that had already started flooding. So in 2011, there were about $2 million worth of emergency repairs done just to the starboard side using a portable copper dam. It was essentially a box that would seal the hull from the river and uh, allow workers to get in and just repair isolated areas. So that job uh, ended in 2011. It was very successful. Uh, and then we kept going with raising money to do uh, a much larger repair that we're, we were successful in, and we're doing it right now. We're, we're, uh, we've moved to the port side. The ship is currently completely dry around it, still sitting in about 20 feet of mud, but there's just no water there, and contractors are actively working. And it's important to touch on the differences between maintaining a historic ship compared to maintaining an active commercial or naval combatant ship. It's important to, to note that a, a ship that's in operation, that's seaworthy, that goes out into the open ocean, requires a much higher standard of repair than a historic ship sitting in 20 feet of mud that's no longer in operation. Uh, as with most projects, it's, it's budget-driven. The big challenge for us uh, is to get the best repairs that we can afford. Many people ask, why don't we go to a dry dock? The, the answer is simply it's financially and logistically impossible for the battleship to get to a dry dock. We're you know, over 25 miles up the Cape Fear River, and there are no dry docks in the state of North Carolina that are sufficient size to handle a 45,000-ton battleship. We just don't have that capacity here. So we would have to go to Jacksonville or Norfolk. The problem logistically is that, again, we're stuck in 25 feet of mud. We're well up a river. Uh, that happens to be a strategic U.S. port. The mast of the ship is actually higher, too high to fit under the Cape Fear Memorial Bridge that was built after the ship got here in 1961. And by our estimations back in 2013, it would cost us around $35 million to get this ship to a dry dock. And that would probably be closer to $50 million today. And there's no guarantee we would make it to the dry dock or back. And one thing people uh, have to remember is that as an enterprise of the state, the battleship relies on ticket sales, grants, and donations, but primarily ticket sales to, to survive. So if you remove the battleship from Wilmington for uh, an 18 to 24-month dry dock period, that's, uh, that's a year and a half to two years that we're not selling tickets and we're not open to the public. That got us to our decision of we need to build a coffer dam, uh, uh, basically a dry dock in place. Uh, and while that's not as good as being pulled out of the water, it's the next best option. It's going to get 50 plus more years, 100 years on the battleship. So that's the uh, that's the option that we went with. So our goal of raising $17 million, we actually exceeded by a million dollars. So we were able to build the coffer dam. We were able to build the State Employees Credit Union Veterans Memorial Walkway around the Copper Dam. 
that gives uh, the public a front row seat to what we're doing. They're able to come free of charge and watch the battleship maintenance, watch the contractors remove hull plating. They can see the work that's being done. Uh, they can gain a greater appreciation for both the size and the complexity of the ship and maintaining it. And uh, and now we're successfully repairing the port side bow. Uh, so everything is falling into place and working great. Uh, when, when they blasted the hull, pumped out the water, removed some of the silt, blasted the hull, they found uh, a lot of the stem, about a 12-foot section, uh, was severely corroded. So uh, with the work of a local metal fabrication shop, uh, we were able to recreate the stem of the ship exactly how it was with half-inch steel, and they in sense replaced it. They now moved on to the port side hall, bow area. There was some significant wasting of internal frames that the contractor was, was able to come up with a great plan to reconstruct those frames so that we have a solid foundation to uh, weld the new hull plating on. And we'll move, uh, the contractors will continue to move down the port side all the way to about frame 40, just before where the armor belt begins. They'll replace the 10-foot section, that wind water line that I mentioned earlier. They'll replace the steel in, in its entirety all the way down that 10-foot section. And it's also important to note that all of the steel for our hall project is a, a donation from Newcore Steel from the Cofields, North Carolina plant. Uh, so we're using American-made steel right here, right out of North Carolina. So I, I hope that paints a picture of where we were, uh, how the hull has been maintained since decommissioning in 1947, and how we got to where we are and where we're going. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I'm Mary Ames Booker, host and producer of the podcast. Showboat is a series of podcasts about the battleship North Carolina in Wilmington, North Carolina. Visit us online at www.battleshipnc.com. The showboat welcomes visitors daily. In 2020, the Battleship North Carolina received an NC Cares Humanities Relief Grant from the North Carolina Humanities Council, www.nchumanities.org. Funding for NC Cares has been provided by the National Endowment for the Humanities as part of the Coronavirus Aid Relief and Economic Security Act Economic Stabilization Plan.